You're listening to a 95BFM podcast. From our studio to yours, it's Various Artists with Francis and Liam. Ahe himarie, tēnā koutou katoa, ko Liam toku ingoa. Ko Joe toku ingoa. No mai, hiri mai, ki Various Artists mō tēnē wiki. Welcome to Various Artists. My name is Liam and I'm accompanied by my co-host Joe. We will be with you for the next hour. This is your guide to the big wide art world of Tamaki Makoto and beyond for this week. It's good to be back. I had a couple weeks off as I was traveling with my family. Joe and Millie did a great job covering a couple weeks ago, as well as Sam. How was it for you covering that show a couple weeks back? It was interesting. Um, going from a wire host to hosting various artists was uh, an interesting change. Um, but, you know, we... We very much enjoyed it. Shout out to Millie. And um, shout out to Sam Clark and Francis, who hosted last week. They did an amazing job. Mm. Very much enjoyed the show. Francis is taking a little break this week, but that's all good because we've got me, we've got Joe, and we've got a piece from Sam coming back around, Efakine, coming up on the show today. I had a chat with the good people behind Printopia, an awesome arts festival celebrating printmaking over at Corbin's Estates Arts Centre next weekend. We also spoke to Diana Hugh from Street Talk about Horizons, a dance movement centred around the Asian migrant story in Aotearoa and how it explores identity. Guest producer Sam Sam Clark speaks to Gretchen LaRoche from Creative New Zealand about the $22 million additional arts funding for established festivals. And finally, we have your local arts guide for Tamaki Makoto over the next week. He aha ofukado. We would love to hear your thoughts on any of these pieces. So please get in touch to Kupato Himai. You can text us on 5395 YMIRANE or give us a call in studio on 309 3879. Also, after the show, ka awe e wareware e ahe anakoto te fakarongo ki e ne korero. Ano he pai pokiregi rokiruki maarenga e te pai tukutuku o ringai poho. Mihari ki 95. BFM, Irakati.com. You can catch all these chats and more by podcast on the 95BFM website, 95BFM.com. Let's get into it. So excited. Only positive critiques. Honest. Various artists. Taking place this coming weekend at Corbin's Estates Arts Centre, Elton Henderson will be the second annual Printopia Festival. This is a three-day celebration of printmaking containing a print fair market, exhibitions and workshops so you can get some hands-on experience with printmaking of various styles, connect with your community and have a great time. I had a chat with Ina Aranui, the organiser behind Printopia, about the festival and what to expect. Kia ora, my name is Ina and I'm a printmaker and the event organizer for the Printopia Festival. Printopia is a three-day festival to celebrate and promote contemporary printmaking. And it is a combination of different events to really get everyone involved. So there's a print fair, there's live printing, there are print talks, print demos, which is all free Saturday and Sunday. And then there are some ticketed workshops for those who want to kind of delve a little bit deeper and, you know, develop their skills within a certain uh, type of print media. How long has this been going on for? Is this the inaugural version of Printopia? This is the second year. Last year was the the first year, which was quite an achievement considering we were still in the orange zone of COVID. So the first festival was meant to be in November 2021 in Studio One. That's what I planned it for. And then because of the the lockdown for COVID, I had to postpone it. 
And in order for it to happen under red or orange, there needed to be enough social distancing. So I had to move it out to Corbyn's. I was lucky enough to have Corbyn's um, offer to host it. And so it happened last year in May during the orange zone. So everyone had to wear masks all spread out. Of course, this year we don't have the challenges of social distancing and mask wearing. So kind of tripling it in size, actually. I'm really happy that Corbyn's could really see the benefit of this festival, that it's all about promoting community and the arts. So they very generously um, donated quite a large space, the church, Shed 2, and the whole um, area that we used last time. So we can really expand it out and um, expand it out to three days. So we kind of went from one day last year to three days this year. So that's it's a huge... <laughs> it's a huge growth you know but I think it's because in response to to the response that we had from it the feedback which was you know it was uh, the whole community just said wow what an amazing event to have all the workshops sold out last year all the workshops sold out and so I thought well let's it definitely needs to grow it can't just to grow 10% and needs to kind of <laughs> grow 300%, which is kind of what we've done for this year. I really love Corbin's as a venue. Just I grew up out in West Auckland, so oftentimes whenever we'd have any arts events in our schools, we would always head out to Corbin's Estates and they were always such lovely people. And I think like, yeah, people are going to be really interested to maybe take the train out to Henderson and see the beautiful space that Corbin's takes up, especially with all the beautiful printmaking art that you guys are going to be having on display. Yeah, it is it's such an amazing venue my sister um she's actually the public programs manager there and organizes school holiday programs workshops and there's you know exhibitions there's an amazing group of artists who use the studios there it's such an amazing community and it's a beautiful setting as well you know with the, the stream and the just the landscape around it's a it's a really lovely organic um, arts community that exists there. First, I think I'd love to hear about the print fair and the different sorts of artists that you have going on there. What do you think that our listeners can expect if they're going to head through with some um, koha to give away to these beautiful artists? Well, what's really exciting is that I've got I've got people coming from all over the country for this print fair. I've got uh, the students of Otago Polytech print department flying up from Dunedin, from Christchurch. Church and also coming from Taranaki. So I've got tertiary students coming. I've got uh, also Megan Dickinson Gallery coming down from, from Kitty Kitty. I have uh, print groups coming from all across the country as well as uh, individual artists coming, coming from all over. There's also some really cool local printmakers. I've got a group called Sur Collective, which is a Latin American women's art collective and they'll be doing live screen printing on Saturday in the print fair and then they'll also have a table at the print fair with all of their um, screen original screen printed um, merchandise, totes and tees and, and prints. I also have a really cool uh, screen print artist called um, Franson or his brand is 1999 and he, he screen prints all his own um, kind of fashion accessories. Um, amazing, amazing cool stuff. And, and what else do we have? Oh, just heaps of really cool um just a really cool diverse range of um art and you know from twenty dollars to two thousand dollars there's like something something for everyone 
Mm. And another big part of this festival is to see people get involved with printmaking. Uh, how can people do this with the free and ticketed workshops you have coming up? So in the print fair, we've got three live printing stations. We've got screen printing. And so they can they can have a go at, at pulling the squeegee if they're confident enough. <laughs> There's also going to be live lino and woodblock printing onto calico patches so people could come along and have a go at rolling the the brayer you know doing the roller and printing the lino and printing their own calico patch uh they could bring along some item of clothing that they want to print there's also letter press so there's this old albion press that's been put onto wheels by a guy called graham judd of inkiana press and he's going to bring that and people can have a go at inking up they can um have a go at putting the the letters and the letterpress and then putting their name and then inking it and then putting it through the machine, which is just a pretty cool experience seeing how things were printed originally, you know, when they first started printing, like the first Bibles were printed, you know, using letterpress. Then we've got eight different um, eight different workshops on offer. We've got Relief Woodblock, which is always a, a popular one that's only sold out. Uh, we have some Intaglio on back. And boo, that's sold out. <laughs> um, we have a really cool workshop which hasn't sold out yet, which is uh, there's this guy in Holland who was studying printmaking and realized he couldn't really afford to buy a press. So he designed a tiny press that he printed with a 3D printer and then he shared the plans for free. And then started this whole kind of like global movement called the Open Press Project. And so there's this artisan Dunedin who's just just loves making small prints and she's just a master at, at using it. And so she's flying up to teach a workshop on Intaglio, which is dry point scratching into a bit of plastic, um, printing that on these little 3D presses. And there's all these international print exchanges and print exhibitions and uh, kind of print challenges run through the Instagram page of the Open Press Project. So it's a really cool way to kind of, kind of start off or get involved in print because it's not a huge investment. It's this big. You can carry it with you. You can leave it on your, you know, your kitchen shelf. At the print fair as well, there's going to be a lot of our sponsors who who are going to be showcasing um, a lot of their eco-friendly, non-toxic inks, which means they're really safe to use at home and your kitchen table. So Akua Inks, Aotearoa Art Supplies from Fielding, will be sponsoring Akua Inks, which is a soya-based non-toxic ink that will be used in that workshop. I think probably the most exciting workshop is the one offered by Fatu Feu, which will involve carving or incising large macrocarpa slabs with a mini chainsaw. People can then ink that up and print that on large. It's going to be one meter by seven, 70 centimeter size macrocarpa slabs. And so that I think will be quite a unique and impressive workshop that's kind of not been offered before or anywhere else. We also have eco printing, which is another really cool technique because you don't need a printing press. You can do it at home. It's non-toxic. It's literally just collecting foliage and leaves from your garden or on the street. So it's, you know, it's very accessible. There's also a screen printing workshop using speciality inks like puff paint and uh, fluorescent inks and metallic inks. You kind of need to have used a squeegee before, though, to do that one. Uh, it's not a total stop for total beginners. Steve Lovett is who's the um, technician at Elam. He will be doing a workshop 
on digital processes for printmaking using uh, Adobe Illustrator and Photoshop to create um, images that can be then used for analog printing. These workshops are kind of designed as a way to be really accessible for anyone who's just curious at how they can incorporate printmaking into their arts practice or just kind of start it off and can easily do it at home or in a group. I think it's really interesting because of the way that you are approaching this event with accessibility uh, so strongly at the forefront, especially when you were talking before about how you can do this at home. It's not that cost effective. I think a lot of people, myself included, who might be interested in print might have the idea that it's just too difficult to get into. You'll have to go to a big studio. You'll have to get this big, massive machine that you'll need to do, get a whole bunch of expensive ink for to just print some tote bags. Um, what do you have to say to those people who might have this idea of print being an incredibly inaccessible art form, both financially or effort-wise? or whatever else? Well, it's true. Some of this equipment is extremely expensive, which is why a lot of printmakers do come together collaboratively around the print studio where they can share the equipment, share ideas. And that's one thing I love about printmaking is that really collaborative uh, community aspect of it. However, there is no open access print studio in Auckland. And that's really the kind of the bigger vision and goal of this festival is that I would like to establish an open access print studio accessible to all in Tamaki Makoto. And this festival is just kind of like the first steps in getting there because yes, there are lots of things that you can do at home, um, but it's also would be great to have that space that we could all come together and, and share. Um, but in the meantime, <laughs> there's lots you can do uh, at your kitchen table. Printmakers now are using Tetra Pak cartons, you know, oat milk cartons. The inside is lined with plastic. And if you scratch into that with an, with an etching tool, then you can print that like you would uh, traditionally in metal plate, but you can really easily do that at home. What are the exhibitions that we have coming up at Printopia? This year, for the first time, we have a print prize and exhibition that's been sponsored by Permacet uh, Aqua, which are the, the water-based non-toxic screen printing inks from Australia. And Permacet Inks and Gordon Harris and the Print, print Council Aotearoa, they've sponsored this prize for um, printmakers who use screen printing as part of their arts practice. And the finalists that have been selected will be on show during the festival. And on Friday night, we'll have an award ceremony for each of the sections. So we've got an open section, tertiary and secondary section. So that's, that, that'll be very exciting and great to celebrate young emerging printmakers, which was kind of my motivation for that. Because as I said, the key for this festival is all about accessibility, getting more people involved, opening it up. And then we'll also have on display a really lovely portfolio of prints created um, by the Pacific Print Project and they have organised several different uh, Indigenous artists from Aotearoa and around the Pacific to submit a, to do a print exchange portfolio and so there's 16 beautiful A4 prints made and they will be on display and on Sunday at 11am Toy Fakata, the group that put this together, 
they will be there to speak to that exhibit and uh, and, about, and about their group as well, how they established it in the process for setting up this print exchange. So that'll be really, really interesting. I've heard, heard a lot of good feedback about that. Just to rehash for our listeners, what are all the details if they want to head along? The festival will be at Corbin Estate Arts Centre. Easy to get to by train, just catch the Western Line, exit at Henderson Station, and then it's a 10-minute walk from there. There's also couple buses that go out there, the 134 and the 133 from the city, if you're in the city. Uh, there is parking, but parking is limited. You have to be there early to get in for the parking. Friday, the 5th of May, we have an opening night. Just need to go online and register for your free ticket. We'll have the print fair, we'll have the award ceremony, uh, drinks and music. And it's just a great way to kind of mix and mingle and catch up with people. Then Saturday and Sunday from 10 till 3, you can shop at the print fair. You can see all the live printing, have a go, uh, maybe bring along an old T-shirt that you'd like to get printed, sign up for one of our workshops. Um, there's going to be also food trucks, coffee, uh, food. <laughs> it's just going to be a really cool vibe. Last year there was just a wonderful buzz in the air. I did this survey which was saying what did you enjoy most and everyone just said I just love the, the the buzz that was in the air that everyone was just so excited and um, it was just a great way to kind of meet new people who are also interested in printmaking and yeah so everyone can definitely learn something new and the aim is for people to come and their perception of what is print to be challenged to go and they're thinking this is what I think print is and then leave going oh I didn't know that Printing from a fish was actually a type of printmaking that is happening out there in the world. And, you know, so upstairs is the print talks and demos. We've got our keynote speaker flying out from Australia, Dr. Mark Dustin from the University of Melbourne, who will be talking about his art practice and how he's how he incorporated and kind of promoted and grew printmaking in the department there. We've got some really interesting demos and talks on both Saturday and Sunday that uh, people can, that were really inspiring and people can um, learn a lot from. That was Ina Aroe from Printopia Festival. Be sure to head over to Corbin's Estate Arts Centre this weekend from Friday, Friday the 5th to Sunday the 7th to see the best printmaking work that Aotearoa has to offer. This event is free with some awesome ticketed workshops as well. And yeah, I hope to see you all there. We're going to jump into a quick tune now. We've got some Boy Genius coming up. This is Satanist. I had another tune into this album this morning. It's amazing. Will you be a Satanist with me? Oh 
Satanist by Boy Genius. All of Julian Baker's songs in particular on this album are just fantastic. This and $20. Maybe just like all the ones that are slightly more rocky and screamy. You're on Various Hours with 95 BFM. We'll be back after these messages. Hey, this is Phoebe Bridgers, and you're listening to 95B FM. The New Zealand history of beer, the 19th century. Wake up, you salty old coot. The redcoats are here to rip down your illegal grog shop. Come on. Bugger off, you bastards. I recognise no authority but the mad king of beer, and hereby claim my sovereign rights to this very spot. This beer spot, if you will. Your grog's giving everyone the shits. Come on. The 20th century. Right, that's 6 p.m. out of the wool shed, you salty old coots. This beer spot's shut till 5.30 p.m. tomorrow. The 21st century. And so apparently there's been beers on this very spot for 200 years. Oh, is that Can I help you with our selection of craft beers, folks? Uh, we'll have a round of salty old coots, please. One thing is better these days, and that's the quality of beers. Grab your mates and hit the beer spot. With 40 delicious beersies on tap and five locations Auckland wide, the beer spot is your tappy place. For opening hours and to find out more, head to thebeerspot.co.nz. What's a seven-letter word for street fighter? Brawler. Hey, you're right. Okay, what about treasure trunks and six? Chests. They said you were good. Hey, what's happening at Ponsonby Social Club this week? 
Well, tonight there's Botico Beats with Juliana Sion, Dylan Khalid and guests with support from DJ Curisco. And tomorrow, DJ Carlotta and friends. Same old Ponsonby Social Club, 152 Ponsonby Road. If music is the food of love, then we hope you're hungry, because you've got a ticket to the buffet. Love language. If music is the fuel of love, then vroom vroom baby, it's time to hop on board. Love language. And if music is the language of love, then you better tune in to love language to stay literate. Love language. Spend some quality time with your love language hosts, Mesa, Carlotta and Scarlett. 9 to 11pm on the last three Saturdays of every month. Right here on 95BFM. What's it all for? Various artists. Welcome back to Various Artists. A couple of months ago, a group of Asian New Zealand street dancers banded together to create a moving image dance cover to The Wandering Songstress. This project was called Horizons as it explores how Asian New Zealanders got to where they are today as someone before them followed their dreams and pursued a certain horizon of a distant land. Horizons explores Asian migrants' themes in Aotearoa, New Zealand, and looks at personal journeys through the expression of street dance visual imagery and music whilst acknowledging and remembering those who came before them i spoke to diana hugh part of street talk and the horizons project about this piece and how it ties in with exploring one's identity i started off by asking her about how this all got started i think it started when i first heard the track and i just thought man i really want to do like a a dance video to the track if possible. That was probably about like five, six years ago. So the track, the, the song was actually created in the in 1930s in China during a very pivotal time of history um, in China. I won't go into it um, for this interview. Um, and then Shanghai Restoration Project, they've done an amazing contemporary version of the track um, and very danceable as well. And the song is a very poetic piece about like a a young girl looking for her love and that doesn't tell you what her love is but she searches basically to the ends of the world for for that love. So yeah, and then I applied for funding from Foundation North and they gave me generous funding to cover the cost. So yeah, I guess that was like early last year. Um, so I worked for it throughout like last year and I finally released it um, just a month or two ago. I have a background in street dance. I started doing popping and also breaking or break dancing back in 2005. So I've always been um, really involved with the community and I also really wanted to showcase um, the amazing talent in the street dance freestyle battle community Um, and also with finding my identity. So I immigrated to New Zealand when I was seven years old and um, it's been an interesting journey. Um, At first I was actually ashamed of my culture but I think in high school I started to really embrace it and learn about it and it's always been, it's it's always a journey and my story isn't unique. My story is not unique. Growing up here, like, I always feel like I'm perceived as a foreigner um, even though I've been here since I was seven but then going back to China as soon as people see the way I dress or the way I talk, they know I'm not, I didn't grow up there. So um, I guess it's also just that journey of finding belonging, but also having like two worlds as well growing up, <laughs> my Chinese side and also just embracing my life here in New Zealand. And yeah. 
What is the significance of the medium that you've used, that being street dance, um, mixing in with this the process of making it into a film in order to really connect connect with the audience? I use street dance um, firstly because I wanted to really showcase the talents, but also as part of my journey in finding identity and with many others as well, like growing up in a country that isn't, your ethnic origin, we tend to find identity in various subcultures. So for me, it was in the subculture of hip-hop and in the dance. And and within that culture, you know, there's um, values that come with it and the community that come with it that bring me and bring all of us a sense of identity and belonging. So I guess, like, in the video, it shows a young girl and she meets different dancers in her journey. And that's kind of representative of, you know, encountering another culture that's quite universal, like hip-hop culture it was birthed in New York um, in the 70s, 60s, 70s, um, and it grew, grew out of like the Bronx, which was the ghetto, I guess, and it came from um, African-American and also Latino youth at the time. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of like, you know, I'm Chinese, I grew up here, but I, I identify with that subculture that came from America back in the 70s. So there's kind of different layers to it, I guess. Yeah, that's why I chose street dance, because it's kind of unique to my kind of lived experience. And in, why did I do it in video form? Well, I've got, I actually have got a background in visual arts um, and lens media. So it was a medium that I felt I was comfortable working with um, and that I could kind of express or share the message through that visual medium and kind of symbology, visual symbology, yeah, it kind of came together that way. Now, I'd, I wanted to to ask you about the migrant themes that, that are explored, um, as well as uh, it's, I'm reading here that um, you highlight own, uh, different people's own personal journeys um, through this mm-hmm. expression of street dance. Um, what was that like for the people involved? I think from feedback from some other dancers, it was a good experience and it inspired them to possibly explore that in their own art form whether it's through dance or other creative projects. I think it was quite um, inspiring for them. Um, And also, yeah, I think it was a a positive process, which was what I hoped for. Um, And I guess, yeah, I think before we even did the workshopping of creating the routines, we would kind of share with each other what uh, kind of our background was briefly. And it was good to, you know, kind of get to know the dancers more just I mean I know them already through like dance but it's good to know them a bit more as well like their personal lives a little bit yeah I really hope that um that it could be a theme that's explored I guess if, if they, if they want to go that way because like I said um like you know our migrant stories aren't unique I guess but I feel like maybe it isn't explored as much as it can be in New Zealand so yeah what would your message be for those wanting to to ex- explore uh, their own identity, especially uh, Asian New Zealanders, as well as you know explore their own personal migrant stories? Do you think that that visual arts and and dance and creativity of some of any sort really is is a very powerful medium to do so? Yeah, I definitely think the creative arts is is very powerful. You know, even I'm just thinking back to. 1930s when that song was created there was so much creative thought as well as intellectual thought and it all kind of meshed together um, 
and it formed a lot of the thinking of the time. So I think like creative arts has so much power to um, shape our world and shape our uh, shape our worldview for for the good as well. And in terms of how do how do we um, discover more about um, you know our roots and migrants, I think we pretty much most of us I believe would have that you know right in our doorstep, like at home, like talking to parents or grandparents. They have so much um, history and stories to share. I I love talking with my grandparents or my grandmas because my granddad's not alive. So I, I love talking with them and just really hearing history and stories. Um, obviously, we've got the internet now, so Google's a good um, source to to find out. Um, yeah, yeah. Even talking with other migrants, I guess, and finding their journeys. Um, and there's a there's I guess there's kind of um, different shows that are scattered around. Um, a, a show I went to recently, um, it was called A Song for My Ladies, and it was about the, it was a reading of a play, and it was covering the, the Sri Lankan um, civil unrest back in, I, I can't remember what time period, but it was really excellent, and I got to learn about another kind of Asian culture and the history through, through that. So there's like shows and stuff that you could check out. Um, when there's art festivals and things like that. <laughs> would you like to do something like this again? Would would there would there potentially be another Horizons project that you'd like to work on, or would you like to explore something a bit deeper? Yeah, I definitely would love to um, have the opportunity to do that. Um, I guess projects it's, it always comes out of inspiration and kind of when that inspiration comes. And when you have all the ideas and everything's moving, then it can happen. Um, so I'm, I've already got some ideas, and but I guess it's just kind of living life and then kind of more ideas come and everything kind of fits in together, like Horizons. And then, yeah, so I would definitely love the opportunity and also just waiting as well for the right ideas to come, come into play. That was Diana Hugh, part of the Horizons Project and Street Talk, speaking about their moving image dance cover, which looks into the Asian, Asian migrant story and explores one's identity. Thank you very much, Joe. We're going to go into another quick tune. This is Glider by Japanese Breakfast. Feels like everything 
won't suffer for your art chat. Various artists with Francis and Liam. Creative New Zealand has established a one-off $22 million worth of funding for established festivals around Aotearoa. This funding is available to organisations who have presented at least one festival in the past five years. Guest producer Sam Clark had a chat with Gretchen LaRoche from Creative New Zealand about how this funding will be rolled out. Could you please tell us about this additional funding and its purpose? Yeah, sure. Um, So the $22 million has come from reprioritised funding that was part of the government's uh, uh, COVID recovery package. So it was um, otherwise uncommitted funds. And um, the purpose of it specifically has been to help alleviate some of the pressure, um, particularly on our arts grants uh, funding rounds, and also to help support festivals, established festivals that are up and running, um, really responding to the fact that, um, you know, it's the recovery for the arts um, sector is, is still ongoing um, post um, the past couple of years of COVID impacts. How will this funding benefit established festivals? How will it go into those organisations? Yeah, so we um, operate contestable funding processes. So um, festivals will be able to apply to us um, to deliver their festivals, so to make sure that they're able to get get their programs of great stuff happening. Um, also, some of their um, staffing costs, if they connected them with the delivery of the festival, and also to actually commission um, and create new work as well to be performed in festivals. So those are some of the aspects of it. And so all of that makes sure that both um, festivals can be continued to to support and to grow and also in turn, I guess, you know, offer a lot of really great stuff that all of us as New Zealanders get to sort of enjoy and be uplifted by. Will this funding reach new and upcoming festivals as well? Well, the, um, the description of it, came through from from, from uh, the, the ministry was that it's for established festivals, so something that has actually occurred or already happened within the last five years, so if they have offered something in the last five years, but we will continue to support new festivals as well and new initiatives through our other funding mechanisms. So basically, yes, we're able to support the gamut there, but this particular festival um, fund that we've we've created is more for those festivals that have at least presented once in the last five years. So is Creative New Zealand looking to implement changes to our funding system to help better support our artists, especially with the proposed budget cuts in Tamaki Makoto, for example? Yeah, look, I mean, I think um, we've been quite upfront that, you know, we've been hearing from the sector and we agree that the way our funding programs are working and uh, operating currently uh, aren't really fit for purpose any longer. So we've just come off the back of um, 24 workshops all around the country and online, um, consulting with um, many artists out there in the creative sector around how we can do things differently and better their hopes and aspirations for that. Um, and so we'll now start to um, co-design um, 
the way things might look uh, in the future. So, yeah, we're definitely looking um, to do things differently in the time ahead um, that respond a bit more to the circumstances of the now um, and, and both for individual artists and also arts organisations. And what were some of the takeaways from those meetings um, around yeah. the country? Yeah, big one, first of all, simplify things. <laughs> we've, we've definitely got a reputation for things to be complicated in the process at the moment. And there's no arguments around that, that's for sure. Um, but more nuance as well. So um, at the moment, we tend to, to be looking at emerging artists against established or individuals against big organisations. So actually recognising and having ways to better respond to all those sort of different types of people working in the creative sector and what they need. Um, we need to rebuild the relationships and trust and actually get back to people knowing who to speak to in our organisation. Um, and also another big one that came through was also an encouragement for us to be um, louder um, in talking about the value of the arts and really representing everybody um, at, at that top level, at government level, um, with other organisations and other places like, um, you know, with local authorities, with mayors, uh, <laughs> with city councils, um, <laughs> to really make sure that they understand that actually the value of the arts is really huge and the important role it plays um, both in, in connecting us all as, as a society but also addressing, you know, the current issues of the day and expressing who we are culturally as well. It's, it's, just, it's so important. Also, why is it important to give artists a voice at this time? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, particularly at the moment, you know, we've got big societal change happening, you know, uh, as, as New Zealand, as Aotearoa. Um, I think also we're, we're facing some, you know, some pretty challenging times, um, you know, economically, um, debate also around the, the part that the arts plays in our society. You know, these are just some of the reasons why it's really important that artists have voices because it's, it, these are the, 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 the matters of life and they're the things that artists contemplate and think and respond to and reflect in their work all the time. So it's a great way for, for helping us all, you know, consider some of the stuff that's going on and, and finding our ways through it and, and, and actually sometimes also um, helping us, uh, you know, come up with our own thoughts on it and how we might respond to that ourselves. That was Sam Clark chatting to Gretchen LaRoche from Creative New Zealand about some new $22 million worth of funding for established festivals around Aotearoa. We're going to have a quick track from Carbon Carb and be back with an art guide after this. I'm driving a circle around the edges of this town Stuck in a city I've given up on
coming through. MoTeP wants to celebrate the educators of today because they help inspire the innovators of tomorrow. So they are giving teachers, teaching students and their families free entry all throughout April. So grab your best workmate and skip class to hang out at the science and technology playground of Aotearoa. Free entry for all teachers at MoTAT until April 30th. Find out more at motat.nz. Grammy Award winning band The National are back with an evocative new album, First Two Pages of Frankenstein. Tranquilize the ocean. The National signal a thrilling new chapter in their brand new album, First Two Pages of Frankenstein. I was so distracted then I Featuring a stacked lineup of guests including Taylor Swift, Phoebe Bridges and Sufjan Stevens. First Two Pages of Frankenstein, the new album from The National. Available now on vinyl, CD and digital wherever fine music is sold. Mass Appeal is here to resurrect your Sunday mornings with jazz, funk, hip-hop, house and other slick selections from the sacred vault of High Priest, Hudge. Mass Appeal, every Sunday morning from 10 to midday on 95BFM. Thanks to Havana Coffee, coffee you feel. Various artists with Francis and Liam. So you can go to the opening for more than just the snacks. Playing under us right now is the instrumental demo of Black Curtain by Cola. They recently put out a great little deluxe version of their awesome album that came out last year. Joe, what song. time is it? It's a good, it's a good song. It's a it's very a good song. But yes, it is time for your art guide, your weekly guide to the arts events across Tamaki Makoto for the next week. Liam, what do we have first? On Ramade, Friday 28th of April, that is today, Chevron Hasset has Stages of Being, a celebration of Samoan and Chinese dance makers in Aotearoa at the ASB Waterfront Theatre tonight and tomorrow night. Also, uh, tomorrow on the 29th of April, a graphic reminder, Gerhard von Meyer's Elam from 1962 to 64 at Waihaki Community Art Gallery, featuring paintings from Pat Henley and Gretchen Albrecht that will be playing for the next two weeks. Also tomorrow we'll also see Structure debut at the Ray Friedman Art Centre. This is a contemporary dance showcase choreographed by Bella Wilson and sought by Flo Wilson, showcasing the ways our lives are organised in the midst of late stage capitalism. They'll be ongoing from Saturday to Sunday, so from the 29th to the 30th. On Rapere Thursday next week, they'll be the 4th of May. First Thursdays is on across Karangahape Road. There'll be markets, food, live performances, and all of the other goodness that you can expect from First Thursdays. A particular shout-out goes out to all my friends and Zed. This Thursday will be the closing event of their amazing Neo Gold Mountain exhibition, showcasing four pieces of video art bringing AAPI creatives of Tamaki Makoto together to collaborate and discuss the impacts of the Asian diaspora through some genuinely incredible music videos. I went along to their opening event and it was awesome there will be performances uh, next Thursday from featured artists Yin Chi Lee Tidon Ray Leslie Auto Angel and later on Casey Yo will be back to back with Kadu DJing also on Thursday as well as Ramadan Friday the 5th of May Alien will be taking place at Q Theatre this is a theatre piece by Alexa Wilson her first in Aotearoa since shipping off to Berlin pre-pandemic it combines dance song and satire embracing the body as foreign to self 
yourself and others, often alienated inside change. Also, don't miss Full Circle, a group exhibition of two generations. Wei Lun Ha and his students aged 7 to 13 from Little Forest Art Studio. That'll be at the Depot Art Space. They'll also be juxtaposed by Susan Corey and Kate McLean at Railway Street Studios in Newmarket. You've also got Selwyn Muru, a life's work at the Wallace Art Centre in Hillsborough, if you're more interested in some fine arts. And lastly, once again, this weekend, next weekend, you can head over to Corbin's Estate Art Centre in Henderson to attend the Printopia Festival, a 3D celebra- three-day celebration of printmaking taking place from the 5th to the 7th of May. We already had a chat to the organiser earlier in the show. You can catch that on the Bcast. Go check it out. Go check it out right now. It'll be awesome. Not right now, next right weekend. Now. Next weekend. <laughs> uh, ooh, let's do a little transition into the next song on this album. Oh, it's perfectly timed. Is it perfectly timed? Is it? It is not. There you go. <laughs> this is the instrumental demo of So Excited from the same album by Kola. Kaora te hotake katoa mo tene wiki, neite mehiki e koto katoa i koridor maiko o mo That is all for us on various artists for today. Cheers to us, uh, cheers to those who chatted with us today. Thank you to Ina Aroi from Printopia and Gretchen Laroche from Creative New Zealand. And cheers to Diana Hugh from, for chatting about Horizons. And thank you Joe for producing as well as Sam for shipping over one of his pieces from last week. It was an awesome time hanging out with you today. Oh, do appreciate it. Uh, remember you can listen back to all these chats and more at 95bfm.com under the Bcast tab, various artists. Make sure you do go check those out later today. That's right. You can also check out Joe's show on Monday nights from 11 to 1am if you want to hear more of his stuff coming up. I think you've got a little plan to do a little J-Day special. Hopefully, <laughs> yes. Um, we've got a few artists coming on as well. So yeah, do stay tuned for that. Awesome. Uh, yeah, thank you for tuning in. Kahoki, my mato, or Next up is Land of the Good Groove. You are listening to 95 BFM. Take it away, Murray. That was a 95BFM podcast. To hear more, head to 95BFM.com slash bcasts.